fans, welcome back to another episode of Full Court Press. I'm your host, Nick Smith. Joining me tonight is Jawan Carter. What's up, Jawan? What's going on? Uh, nothing much, man. Ready to talk some NBA news. we got a lot to cover. Uh, games 1 and 2 of the finals and a lot of uh, NBA draft talk and a few other things going on around the league. Uh, so let's jump into it, man. Um so the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers lost a heartbreaker in game one after a J.R. Smith snafu in the closing seconds of regulation. Um, <laughs> you know, honestly, man, I don't know. I think he's getting a little more blame than is 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 warranted. We'll put it that way. Um, it's not like they didn't have overtime to try and, and get things done. And it's also not like he, yeah, he made a bonehead move. He, he he obviously didn't know the score. He thought they were leading. Um, but, I mean, if you if you dissect it and look at it, I mean, when he rebounded the ball, they had like four seconds to get off a shot. Like, it's not like he passed up like a, a super clean look, like where, you know, there were guys in between him and the basket. Um, it would have been not the easiest shot in the world. Um had he just gone right back up with it. Um, there's no guarantee that he makes that shot. Um, and, you know, it, I don't know. I, I think I think he's getting I, – I think he definitely deserves a little bit of shade, but I think he's getting more shade than he deserves. Um, but what are your thoughts on that, uh, on that situation? Um, I put all the blame on the head coach. Uh, like you said, there was four seconds. Once he grabbed the rebound, why didn't you call a timeout? Call a timeout. I, I don't. Yep. I don't. I don't get that. Call a timeout immediately. Like once you've seen that he clearly has no idea <laughs> that they're tied and not up, call a timeout. If you're Tyron, and this is why we always said, um, uh, you know, eventually at some point, uh, him as a coach would be exposed going up against. Yeah. I thought it'd be Brad Stevens, uh, but turns out it's, it's against Steve Kerr. Uh, and it's a game of chess. I mean, you you have to know you have a timeout. Call it. Yeah. Call it. Your players aren't always going to make the best decisions. Sometimes and the that's thing is, what your job is. Well, and, and I agree with you, too. And I, I think the thing is, it, it should have been it, – it, it should have been – it's not like he should have thought to call a timeout when the rebound happened. That should have already been established right. Once that it, if right. if the game is tied and if they collect the rebound, immediately call a timeout and give yourself four seconds to get the, put the ball in LeBron's hands and let him, you know, try to hit a game winner. Right. I mean, and again, my issue isn't with Jr. and obviously the, the blunder that he went through. My issue with Jr. is um, the fact that he lied. Don't after the game tell us that you you knew you were tied when you mouthed to LeBron. I thought we were up. It's okay to yeah. just say I made a mistake. It's okay to say right. I made a mistake. I I, I thought it. George Hill's I thought his his um his free throw put us up one. And yeah. if if you're trying if you're saying you thought you were up one and you wanted to pull it out to force them to foul you, then that's fine. Make you just have to own it. Yeah, don't. I mean, that makes yeah. more sense to you trying to say, "Oh no, I knew we were we were tied." Then why did you pull it all the way out? <laughs> and right. Then you just hold it. Yeah, yeah it reminds me. Did you ever have this happen when you were a kid, where 
like I, I, I'll let me let me tell you like just a little a, a short little anecdote. So I was a kid, maybe eight years old, and I had two older brothers. So I used to like just out of curiosity, I used to like snoop around in the room, right? Um, so my dad caught me snooping around in my oldest brother's room when you know I like I said I was around eight years old, and he was like, "What are you doing in here?" Um, and you know I didn't want to I didn't want to be like I don't you know I'm just looking, you know, like, I, I don't want to say, I, like, <laughs> basically admit that I'm snooping around in my older brother's room, right, so, um, so, it, there was, like, a bag of, of, like, I don't know, Fritos or something in there, and so I, like, grabbed the bag of Fritos, and I was, like, I'm hungry, well, earlier that, uh, evening, I had, uh, tried to get some food, and my dad had told me, like, no, you don't eat anything, we're gonna go out for dinner out to dinner in a little bit. So essentially my point is uh, I got myself into more hot water by lying. Uh, and my dad was more pissed cause he thought I was in there trying to eat food when he had already told me not to eat food when it was actually just the, the first thing that popped into my head to avoid telling him the truth. Like that's, that's like <laughs> exactly what this reminds me of. Like JR just, just being like, man, I don't, I, I can't admit that I didn't know like what I was doing. And it's like, well, if, if, if you really, like, if you knew the situation, then what you did makes absolutely no fucking sense, bro. So you're just making yourself right. look even dumber. Like, right. Um, but yeah, like, I'm, I'm sure we've all kind of experienced that, that sort of story before. And I feel like if you're as old as J.R. Smith is, you should have fucking learned by now. Like, dude, just tell the truth. It's a lot easier, and it's it's nine times out of ten, it, it avoids you getting into worse trouble, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things where it was like, dude, I don't know if J.R. thought maybe, like, television didn't exist and we were back in radio time, <laughs> but we saw you tell LeBron, like, I thought we were up. What? What? Yeah. what? I thought we were up. <laughs> so to me, I don't, I don't put all this blame. I know it's easy to make fun of Jr. and put all the blame on him, but yeah. I gotta put it on uh, Tyler. Once you saw him grab it, come down, and then move with the ball, call a timeout immediately, like immediately, because yeah. it, it was obvious the refs were looking at Jr. and not at anybody else because LeBron was right, right next to Jr. calling a timeout, and the ref was just like, "Oh, I didn't see it. I was looking at Jr." But I'm right next to Jr. You, you didn't see me say or do the hand gesture of timeout. Um, so, again, I don't put that loss on, on JR um, because the Cavs had a full overtime and they just completely fell flat in. Uh, and yep. the Warriors just completely kicked it into a whole nother gear with their two best players not even playing the best in overtime. Um, yeah. So I, I still don't get that. Um, but another thing that a lot of uh, these uh, sports pundits are making a big wait, deal. Real quick, is, before, bef- yeah, wait, real quick before wait, real quick before we before we move on to your, your next thing. Um, did you see the look on Draylon's face in the post game interview when they told him that Jr. said he he knew the score was tied? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was it was like, fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that exactly that exact face. Like wait, what? Huh? <laughs> like that? Like puzzled. <laughs> confused look like uh, almost almost kind of like the look um you know that like uh that like a dog gets when it's really confused like just, what the fuck yeah <laughs> 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 it's so funny but anyway i'm sorry go ahead 
No, because I mean you're absolutely right. Draymond Draymond's face summed up like millions around the world that were just like, wait, what? But we saw yeah. you say you saw <laughs> it. Like I, I I don't get that. Um, but no, like a bunch of sports uh, pundits and everything are, are making a big deal of the the video of LeBron just completely seeming um, out of it and visibly upset and everything like that. And to me, it's one of those things where it's just like it's the equivalent of like working really hard, working all day, and then coming home and seeing somebody who didn't go to work, like, at all, just relaxing and hanging out. Like, just the idea of, like, knowing how much work you put in, like, all day and then coming home and seeing someone else relax just would drive yeah. any sane person crazy. So mm-hmm. picture dropping 51 Especially points. when you're paying all the fucking bills, which is essentially exactly. what, in, in this analogy, that's LeBron exactly. James, like. Yeah. Exactly. And then you come in and you just look over and the person who's done nothing all day is just relaxing. It's like, hey, how was your day? And Sitting there like, right, eating your motherfucking <laughs> Cheetos. You got the yeah, AC exactly. cranked like, up. Like, yeah, just running up all kinds of bills. Like, the faucet, exactly, the like faucet's you like, to yourself. like not, not turned all the way off. So there's like a little stream coming out of it. And you're just like, this <laughs> motherfucker. All these like you fucks. Say to yourself, you say to yourself, all right, as soon as I get home, I'm going to get myself, you know, <clears throat> you know, some chips, maybe a nice beer, and just relax and watch some sports. He drunk your last beer. <laughs> he hit all the chips. <laughs> and he's in the yeah. living room watching TV. He's <laughs> just like, all right, listen, before I completely lose my mind, get out. <laughs> like, yeah. Leave just, right just now. Just get the fuck so, out. I mean, yeah. At least for exactly, the night, bro. So I, <laughs> Exactly. So I, I completely understand LeBron, and LeBron handled it with class. He even said in an interview that, you know, he hadn't gave up on JR. He still believes in him. Um, so he didn't throw his teammate under the bus. But to me, I always say I hate in games like this that reporters can ask you questions immediately after the game, as if yeah. all the aggression and the pain you just went through, you're able to just push that to the side and have just a fun-loving interview, like, you know I right. just lost after dropping, like, 51, 8, and 6, right? Like, I don't want to talk yeah. to anybody. So, uh, but, no, I mean, to me, I, I don't put all the blame on JR. I put some of it on him, and I put a large portion on Ty Lue, But I put, you know, some of it also on the fact that the Cavs just, I felt as though the Warriors took their soul from them uh, after that JR blunder happened, and the Cavs just didn't show up. They didn't know that they had an overtime. That's how they played in overtime. Like, they forgot yeah. that it, it existed. So, but all Yeah, I'm they saying, thought they were getting out of there with a tie. <laughs> exactly. They were like, all right, we're going into game two. This one's just a tie. We're 1-1. <laughs> Let's go into, into the next game. It's like, wait, no, 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 no. That's not, that, that's not how that works. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, all I want to say is I don't, I don't blame JR, but JR does owe LeBron a huge game tomorrow night. He owes him one. And I don't mean huge, like, yeah. 40 or anything crazy. He owes him a 20, 20 to 25-point game, and I don't think that's too much that. He owes LeBron one of those. Yeah. Yeah, he owes him that and, you know, some, some good defensive play. Like, go out and get a couple yeah. steals, um, you know, uh, maybe a block, and just, just play nice competitive defense. Try to try to keep, you know, whoever you're, you're going to guard in check, probably Steph, um, and just, you know, either, well, either Steph or Clay. Um, 
you know, just try to keep them in check and try your best to, yeah, like, to, like put up some good numbers. It's, it's, and that's the thing with Jr. Man, he's just so, like, I can't think of a more streaky player in recent memory than Jr. Smith. Like, <laughs> I mean, seriously though, I mean, he is the streakiest. Um, like, I mean, it's crazy that he can play, you know, what thirty five plus minutes and have zero points in consecutive. Uh, well, maybe not consecutive may not be the right word, but um, multiple um, playoff games. Like, he's had multiple games in these playoffs where he has scored zero points, and he's played huge minutes. He's played starters minutes. Um, and, you know, he's just become the the bad games uh, from him or the ineffective games have, have been a lot more frequent, uh, you know, essentially in the last couple of years as he's kind of – gotten towards the tail end of his career. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think in an ideal situation, you would want J.R. Smith to kind of be your sixth man, um, and they really can't afford him not to be a starter. You know, they don't have anybody else who can, who can you know, essentially fill that fill that void in the, in the starting role. I mean, the closest that you could do is Corver, um and Corver's a great shooter, but that's all he brings to the table. Like he's an okay team defender. He's just not athletic. Um, you you probably get more consistency from him than Jr. But you know, like you're not winning with Kyle Corver starting against the Warriors. Like you like you're not winning well, the game. Like much less the series. So um, so I think you know they're kind of stuck with with having Jr. You know in that in that starting role. See, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that because if they're able to use Corver the way that they use him in that Boston series, where I told you, I, and again, this is why if LeBron stays in Cleveland, like if he does, they have to fire Tyler. I don't get how in that Boston series, the most unstoppable play you had was the double screen Corver open three, and it seemed like he did it twice, and then he was just like, "All right, that's that's enough." That's enough good, you know, that's enough threes from, from you, Corver. I'm going to bench you, put JR yeah. back in. It's just like, I don't get that. I don't get that. Keep Corver out there and keep doing those screens that it looked like the Celtics couldn't stop. So to me, because you have to try something different and you have to keep Clarkson off the floor. Um, if I was them, I would try starting Corver just to see what I could get from him. Um, in this, you know, against the Warriors. And I, I don't mind Corver being the guy that guards um, uh, Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson's not a guy that's beating you off the dribble. Uh, you no, don't have to worry not. about the screen. Um, yeah, I you just have to stay on him. You off. just got to stick with him. Right. Well, that's, that's actually one thing I think Corver. Yeah, and that's one thing I think Corver could actually do. I think he could stick with a guy. Um because he's 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 not like I said he's not the most athletic. You worry about him going against guys who are really good off the dribble, but you know I mean he I I think he can at least you know stick with a guy and 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 he he sees the the floor well enough to be able to figure out the you know, different paths to take on the screens and stuff. Um, but the problem would obviously be when you get switches, um, and you know when he gets switched on Curry. Um, or he gets switched on KD, or 
you know, any any sort of player like that, I mean, it, it would be tough. But, I mean, that's the thing. that The cards are just so heavily stacked against the Cavs. Like, it was really painful to see that game one because, that, like, it, not not even that if they had won game one, I would have been I, – I still wouldn't have been like, all right, well, we got ourselves a series. You know, I pretty much mm-hmm. would have been like – I would have been like, okay, like, nice. Like, Cleveland's going to at least – play play this competitive you know they probably because I predicted they would win two games um I you know I said LeBron James is good enough I think he can get you two games and the Warriors haven't been as impressive as they were last year um and so you know I just I just felt like can you know with the absence of Iguodala you know we brought that up as being you know a big factor um yeah, you know I just figured like yeah he, he can get it but that was one of those two games you know and now the fact that they lost that heartbreaker, um, and we'll you know we'll get to you know the details of game two, but you know obviously they got blown out in that one. Um, now it's you know if I had to predict, you know going forward from here, I think a sweep is way more likely than them winning two games at this point. You know, like um, I, I honestly feel like a sweep's probably more likely than them winning one game. Um, like you had to win game one to like to put yourself in into the position to make to essentially make it where you could win two games um, or win another game. Um, and, and, you know, it sucks because now they don't, you know, they just don't have that opportunity. Um, but uh, I do want to give uh, our boy Larry Nance Jr. a shout out. Um, he played, he played a pretty damn good uh, game one in, in limited minutes. Um, only had nine points, but he had 11 boards. Uh, he had a steal, um, plus three, plus minus four of six from the field. Um, did shoot one of four from the free throw line, so that's you know that's obviously not ideal. Um, but you mm-hmm. know, in 19 minutes of play, you know he he was pretty effective. He he put up relatively solid numbers, um, and it's it's really hard to to put up any sort of good stat line in 19 minutes. It's hard to find a rhythm, and um, and you know he was actually one of the better players. Um, in that game, so uh, shout out to him. Um, but uh, moving on to game two, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it was pretty much a blowout. Um, you know, they uh, Warriors ended up winning by 19, um, and it was really, I mean, it, it really didn't ever feel like they were not, that, that, that Cavs had any amount of control. Um, the Cavs did actually surprisingly win the third quarter by three points, which is obviously has been the, the, the Warriors' quarter. Um, but they got their asses handed to them so bad in the second um, that, you know, I mean, by nine points, but they were already down by four going in and coming into the second um, that, you know, that three-point swing didn't really matter. And then, you know, the, the Warriors pretty much just, just threw down the gauntlet going down the stretch. Um, LeBron James, I mean, pretty much looked pretty defeated um, throughout a lot of that game. Um, there were several different plays where you could just kind of see, like, a lack of defensive intensity and a lack of defensive effort. Um, I think part of that is the fact that he played 48 minutes in game one. He played 44 minutes in game two, and he has to do so much offensively that it's like 
guys, I just can't. There's only so much I can fucking give. I'm giving you everything I have. Um, and, you know, like, if I got to carry this whole fucking team on my back offensively, what do you expect from me defensively? At least there's only so much I can fucking do, guys. I mean, people, you know, because LeBron James is so great and because he's been doing it for so long, people forget that he's at the age where most people start unraveling and and we start seeing major weaknesses in people's games and we see a huge decline and we're only seeing minor uh evidence of that with LeBron and from my perspective it doesn't have as much to do with LeBron but his situation um and you know the burden that he's being asked to carry um you know and whether of course there's always the LeBron haters that are like well he made this team blah 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 well that's a different conversation um that's yeah that's nothing to do with you know what he's having to do to try and you know help this team win now um, and you know what? Also, he didn't want to trade Kyrie. He wanted them to keep Kyrie. So, you know that that excuse played you know well enough last year, um, but it's not really the same thing anymore. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, game two was pretty much a wash. Um, you know, I mean, it was pretty much just not competitive. Uh, Steph Curry went off, had 33 points. Um, and shot nine of seventeen from three. Uh, Clay was eight of uh, thirteen from the field. Um, Javale McGee six of six with twelve points, like a little Javale McGee sighting. KD was super efficient, scored twenty six points, only shot fourteen shots. Uh, th- dude, they they were just clicking. They were firing on all cylinders, and there was just no way Cleveland was going to be able to hang with them in that game. Um, but what you know? What did you see from the game, and and how do you feel about you know just LeBron's uh, burden um, and and kind of his demeanor throughout this game? Um, I don't ever like to use the term "quit," and I'm not saying LeBron did, um, but he didn't. I felt like he didn't play that game with a sense of urgency. Um, th- these are two games, and again, I think we have to continue to to mention. Either the Warriors, day in and day out, just toy with with teams over the course of this, you know, the season, the playoffs, and then the finals, or they are just like a really super beatable team. Um, because there were moments that you kind of felt like, especially in the first game, like Cavs could actually probably get this win. Like they could get this win. Um and then it's just like, all right, once you give the Warriors any kind of opportunity, they're going to completely bite your head off and crush it. Um, I mean, in the second game, you, you had Steph hitting threes, it looked like, from the tunnel. Um, he was just – he was ridiculous. I mean, he was just unstoppable. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'll say this. It, it's just one of those things LeBron didn't come out aggressive, and he has always. Like, that's not a team that can afford to just go – oh, LeBron's not aggressive, okay, we got this guy to take over. They, they don't have that. They lost that in the offseason. Um, so it's just really painful to have to see this guy pull the entire workload. It's, just, it, it's really tough to watch. Um, so, I mean, listen, Cavs usually sh- 
shell out in their first game home. They usually do. Yeah. I, they, they've done it throughout this, this playoff series. I'll say that. Um, yeah. So I have full faith that Cavs won't get swept. Uh, I have enough faith in LeBron that he'll pull. You remember that game six in Boston where it looked like yeah. Miami was – like LeBron was going to lose to Boston again. And mm-hmm. although not as lethal as the Warriors, you could say that team was just really dangerous because not only yeah. were they physical, um, they had a guy that could come off screens like like nobody we've ever seen before. Ray motherfucking um, Allen. Exactly. And then a guy who protected the paint like Kevin Garnett, a guy who was going to trash talk you, that team was that team gets swept on a little bit, but that team was really dominant. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, and they were kind of the original, stretch. you know, of the of the quote-unquote, I guess, post – well, I shouldn't say that. I, I was going to say they were kind of the original big four, but I feel like that was more Detroit. Detroit was like the original big four of the post-Jordan era. Um, or if you wanted like, to go um, <laughs> the Lakers when they got those, those old mummies. Yeah, but they didn't win. <laughs> The all-star graveyard? Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. but that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, Peyton and Malone. But, yeah, they didn't win, so it didn't count. Um, but, no, I mean, that, that kind of core uh, four, though, because, I mean, uh, you know, at the time it was the big three, but, you know, hindsight being what it is and, and knowing how much Rondo meant to that team, he was definitely every bit big as four. important as any one of those other three guys. Yeah, it was a big four. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of what you're seeing, you know, LeBron having to go up against now only, you know, right. he's got Kevin Love instead of Chris Bosh and he has no replacement for Dwayne Wade anymore. No, so. he lost it. Um, yeah. Well, he had a Dwayne Wade 2.0 with Kyrie, someone that yeah, you didn't yeah. really have to worry about injuries that much. And when he was on the yeah. court, you didn't have to worry about, well, no, no, I, I'm saying I, not, I, to the, not to the degree of Dwayne Wade. Oh, yeah. I mean, he he's had that knee thing since, since 2015, but um, right, yeah, and that's kind of been a lingering thing. But but yeah, Dwayne Wade uh, definitely his. It's amazing that his his legacy and career is is going to stand the test of time and be as great as it is, given the fact right. that he's had to deal with so many injuries over it. I mean, I'm going to be completely honest with you. If Dwayne Wade didn't have injury issues, I think you could make an argument of him being at least top five greatest shooting guard of all time. Oh, if he, he didn't have as many injuries, he he is, he is top five greatest shooting guard of all time. I mean, you got you got Michael, you got Kobe, and then Jerry West, probably Dwayne Wade at four. I mean, yeah, I think you can at make four? an argument for Dwayne Wade at three. Honestly, I mean, I wouldn't. I would put West above him, um, but I think the biggest knock on D Wade is that he never won an MVP. Um, but I think if he hadn't been hurt, he would have. Um, yeah, and he won see, a Finals I MVP. I can't hold that against him. He played in an era where if LeBron didn't get it, Shaq was there. If Shaq didn't get it, Kobe was there. If Kobe didn't get it, he had Nash get two. Um, yeah. So he just and then Derrick Rose just had a, a, a freakish season that no one really saw coming. So I mean, well, he and, just played. Another so thing too was. Miami was never before LeBron got there. They were never one of the top, like huge top seeds in, in the in the midst of Dwayne Wade's prime. Like they weren't. I mean, they weren't that it, the year they beat the Mavericks. 
What seed were they? Uh, well, that to me, see, but that's just, well, that's what I'm saying. Like that was only Dwayne Wade's like third year in the league. That wasn't. That was when he was oh, okay. just just starting to enter his prime, and you really saw him enter his prime in that particular playoffs, but not throughout that regular season. So it was like after that, the season after that is like when Shaq really started to go downhill, and then he started you know jumping around to all sorts of different teams. You know, whether it be the the Suns, Celtics, the Cavs, um, yeah. and uh, and and I mean, they just they weren't the same. Um, they were on a steady decline until they, you know, somehow managed to to pull off the the Bosch and LeBron to Miami deal. So, um, but yeah, no, no, that's, I agree that's with you. I, I don't think you can. I don't think you can ultimately like. Um, I, I I like I said I I I would say it's just a slight. That's like the one thing that you could pick at with with Dwayne Wade's career, but I mean, three time NBA champion, uh, Finals MVP. Um, I think he was the scoring champion one year. Um, I, I know he's made several All NBA teams. Like the the dude's resume is stacked, and all of that happened while he was constantly fighting off injuries. I mean, you're, you're talking yeah. about it would it would essentially be like if Blake Griffin was a fucking you know, top three or four uh, power forward of all time. You know, like that's that's essentially what Dwayne Wade has been able to achieve, uh, and that's just ridiculous. No, but to to the point that I was saying, he, um, you know, Le, LeBron's gonna have to do a monster game like he did against the Celtics in a game where a lot of people thought they were just they they would possibly uh, be beaten again, and you'd have LeBron again losing to the big green monster. Um, and LeBron just said, you know what? No, no, I'm done. I'm I'm sick of it. I'm not going to let these guys have confetti fall on my head again. And he went out there, set the tone very early and just gave us one of his, I'd say one of his most dominant performances of his career. Um, and he's gonna have to do it because this is a Golden State team that not only wants to beat you, they want to embarrass you. And yes. that means what did what did Steph say? He he still could smell the champagne in their locker room, or was that Cleveland that said that to Golden State? I can't remember. I think it was uh, Golden State to Cleveland, but I could be wrong. I think so. If I am, regardless, you you get the point that I'm trying to make. Golden State, yep. they're a team that loves to talk um, and, and can back it up. <laughs> so if they could end this in four and celebrate on Cleveland's home court. They would love that. So you're not going to get a Golden State team that's going to come out and just give you a game, um, you know, because they know they can just finish it on their home court. You're going to get a team that if they can wrap it up in four, they'll gladly wrap it up in four. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but what I'm looking forward to is um, I told you I told you guys I thought Kevin Durant uh, had a case of being the best player on the planet right now. Like he didn't have to wait yeah. for LeBron to retire. Um, and I haven't seen a game like that from him in these finals yet. I've seen LeBron continuously show us, like, there's no one better than me on this – in the NBA right now. There's teams better than my team, but there's no player better than me, and he showed it again with that game one performance. Um, So I'm just waiting to see a game like that from Durant, um, like we saw from him last year in the finals. So it'll be – I'll be curious to see if – Steph Curry is the catalyst in this third game or mm-hmm. Durant. 
Um, that's yeah. something I want to look forward to. Honestly, I <clears throat> I really want Steph to win the Finals MVP this year. Um, obviously, they, he hasn't he hasn't won one yet. It was Andre, and then it was um, Durant. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I I think that would be an awesome story, um, and that would be kind of one of the highlight storylines of anything for me. Because um, if you look at all of the like all of the really elite players, like you know, your notches, your your guys who are a notch above a guy like Dwayne Wade. Um, the mm-hmm. one thing they all have in common is they won at least the regular season MVP and they won a finals MVP. And a final. Um, yeah, like so, I feel like that let, is that's kind of like the notch. Like that, if you can do that, you are one of the greatest players of all time. Um, not at any given position. Like you don't even need that. You are just simply put right. one of the greatest players of all time. And I think I really would like Steph to do that because I I think he's just such a transcendent player um, and, and just such an elite talent. Um, and, that you know, no, no matter how much I have contempt for the Warriors since KD joined them and just basically, you know, stacked the deck against the rest of the league, um, I still got my love for, for Steph and for Clay, um, and, I, and I would really like to see that happen. By the way, before so let me we – um, Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You first. I was just going to say, because I, I was loving everything you were saying, uh, I already have him there, but I'm curious to see if you do also. If if the Warriors win, win this series and Steph gets finals MVP, mm. will Steph, to you, be a top ten player of all time? Um, man, here's the thing, man. I always hate, hate to rank people um, – like it took me a long time to even put LeBron in like the top five because I just hate ranking people like you know mm-hmm. b- before you know their their legacy is 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 cemented in stone. Um, you know I, I I certainly came around on LeBron because you know when he won that finals was when I was like all right yeah he's he, he's number two now for me like there's just I, <laughs> it, you know I can't like. Like I love Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He was my number two guy for a while, um, but that was that was when I was finally like, you know what, LeBron James is better than Larry Bird. Like I fucking love Larry Bird, and if I was building a team, I would probably rather have Larry Bird because I feel like he's easier to build around. Um, like if you're picking like an all-time team, you know, like if I already had like Michael Jordan and you know Magic Johnson and Tim Duncan and, you know, Bill Russell, like I would probably rather have Larry Bird just because he's just a different player. Like I feel like he would fit in better with with those other guys. Um, But as far as like individual talent, LeBron James is just better. Like the the numbers don't lie. Um, Dude's so dominant in game sevens. Um, He he has really developed into um, just just the – in the vacuum that Michael Jordan left, um, he has certainly developed into that that transcendent player, the truly number one transcendent player that that um, that no one could fill until him post MJ. Um, but as far as Steph is concerned, um, top ten? I don't know, man. I I really have to sit down and think about it. I mean, it would 
it would it would certainly be in the in the topic of conversation. I don't see. I don't know though. I don't think like because like let's say yeah he 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 won so he's got the two MVPs. He's the first unanimous MVP, which I think is is you know I think it's kind of blown out of proportion. Like I don't really think that matters. Um, to me, anyway, whether you're unanimous or you you like one person doesn't vote for you, like happened to I think LeBron and Michael, um, like maybe one or two people, um, but uh, but nevertheless, um, there's still something he has on his resume, and if he won a Finals MVP, that would go a long way. Um, but like, still, if 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 let's say that happened, so he's got three championships, he's got two MVPs, a Finals MVP. And let's say, you know, he completely annihilates his ankle in the preseason, never plays basketball again. Am I going to put him above Kobe Bryant? I don't think so. Um, and there's a slew of guys I got above Kobe Bryant. So, I mean, Kobe's like seven or eight. Um, so, you know, I don't know, man. I, I don't think so. I think he would be – I think he would be top 12. I think he would sit right in 11 or 12. I think he will – get to the top ten. I don't think I would quite have him there yet, though. To me, if if he does win it and wins both, uh, the finals and the finals MVP, I put him in top ten, maybe at like ten, no higher, yeah. um, purely yeah. off of impact. Um, when you have Kobe higher impact, than me, too, right? You I do have, have Kobe, Kobe like higher. four. Yeah. Yeah, I do have or, Kobe higher. Yeah. Um, I put Curry in there for impact. Think about how he changed the way – Oh, you look yeah. at playing basketball. Um, well, see, but that's, to me, that's a, that's a different conversation, but, though. Like, a, 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 well, like to me, a I bottle everything up. Impact. Yeah, I no, and I get that. I bottle up. No, and I, on I the get court that. But, but I'm saying, is like, if you were going strictly on impact, yeah, he would easily, he'd be top three, probably, easily top five. I mean, but like, if I, if I took that out, greatest. and just went based off game, if I just went just off game, taking impact out, I still think he's, he's top 10. Think about this. You have to guard this guy at half court. Yeah, 35 half feet court. from the bucket. Yep. <laughs> that is insane. I don't think anyone mm-hmm. else in NBA history you had to do that with. I don't even think you had to do that with Reggie no. Miller. Reggie Miller was just no. deadly from the three-point line. Uh, right. Not Ray from Allen 35 deadly feet. from the three-point line. Not from yeah. 35 feet out. That's insane. Yeah, it's to ridiculous. Me, to me, if he didn't have any rings, then it would be like, all right, he, to me, he's just like a circus player. Uh, yeah. But with two rings and two MVPs, that guy, to me, that that's a spot in top ten, maybe at ten. But I think he deserves – I don't mind if someone says they'd rather wait till his career is over to see where he's at. I completely understand yeah. that. But for me, who you know I'm always prisoner of the moment. I definitely would put Curry um, – at number 10 for my top 10 of all time. Yeah, like I said, I haven't done it in a while. I'd have to sit down and look at it. I just don't think – I don't think he's quite there yet. I can't remember where he was the last time that I did it. Um, but, like, off the top of my head, I mean, I know my top five is, like, MJ, LeBron, um, Kareem, uh, Bill Russell, um, uh Tim Duncan, uh, and then after that, you know, it would probably be like Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. Um, like I feel like those two are just kind of always going to be 
right next to each other, you know. Um, then probably Kobe, then then maybe Shaq, um, and then, you know, maybe Steph at 10. I think that was nine players that I ran off. Um, yeah. But, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like there would there might still be somebody. I, fuck, I don't think I said Wilt Chamberlain. I would have Wilt Chamberlain ahead of, ahead of Steph Curry. Um, at that, like at this, at this current point in time, like if his career ended today. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly food for thought. I mean, I, 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 I can see Steph being as high as like six or seven on some people's list. Um, I don't necessarily think it's too early for that. It's just, I'm, I'm, I'm usually more, I try to be more of a wait and see guy and not, not try to project too much forward with where they're going to end up and just, you know, look at where they are. Um, and it's hard to evaluate a guy who's halfway through his career versus, you know, all of these other guys who, you know, short of LeBron have, you know, finished out their careers and are just these all-time greats. So, um, but no, I mean, I feel you. I mean, he's, he's a fucking one in the, one of a kind player. Um, because like you said, there's just never been anybody that you've had to guard that deep. Um, and, and who was just such a genuine threat from that far away. Um, in fact, I, you know, the only other person, maybe two people in the league that I feel like are even close to that are um, Eric Gordon, who's, again, he's just real streaky. He's not quite as bad as JR, but he's still real streaky. And Lou Williams. Um, like, those are the only other two guys who I'm like, you got to guard them from 35 feet away off the top of my head. Like, there's really not, there's really not a, a lot of players like that. No one does it at the at the rate that Steph does. Um, so yeah, but it'll be interesting. I I do hope Steph um, wins wins the Finals MVP. I think that would be cool. Um, and obviously, he went off huge in Game Two. And I mean, he had a really good Game One. He had 29 points. 11 to 23, 5 of 11 from 3, and 9 assists, um, only 2 turnovers. Um, so he's put together two solid games to start off this series. Um, so I, I think it's a, a pretty high probability. If I was betting right now, um, I would say he's probably the front runner um, for uh, the MB, MVP votes in Vegas. Um, but let's move on. we got a lot of other stuff to cover. Um, Mo Bamba. Very interesting prospect out of Texas, uh, center, seven, seven feet, seven foot plus. Um, I've seen different stats. I think he's like seven one, um, but he's got a seven foot ten fucking wingspan, uh, which is just crazy. Um, like, dude, dude is a beast, a physical beast, um, and he essentially, uh, when he when he went and tried out in Chicago. He ran, uh, he posted a faster three-quarters court sprint than Russell Westbrook, John Wall, and Dwayne Wade, uh, among others. Um, like, those are just, you know, some of the guys that, that he, you know, he beat out. I think he also beat out Harden, he beat out Timber Walker, uh, and there were, you know, a few others in the, in the you know, report just to give some, some frame of reference. Now, a lot of this has to do with the dude having, like, giraffe legs and just being able to, like, step farther than any of these guys. But one of the biggest knocks on Mobamba has been, is he the next Rudy Gobert? Is he a guy that's going to protect the paint 
like no other. But if you switch him off, can he guard perimeter players? You know, maybe maybe this is is somewhat kind of proof that he can do that. If you're dealing with a guy who is, you know, seven foot tall, seven ten wingspan, obviously is fast. Um, he's already like got a kind of defensive mindset. I think if you put him in the right situation, um, this guy could be really, really fucking good. Um, and, and I mean, that's just crazy to me. He can run, he, or not currently, but as far as Russell Westbrook, John Wall, and Dwayne Wade when they were in the combine, were slower than Mo Bamba, a center running three quarters of the court sprints. Like, I mean, what what does that mean to you? I know you don't follow um, uh, college ball, but I know you start to kind of get geeked up when draft when draft time comes around. You know, you hear something like this about a dude who's just this kind of freakish athlete. What does it What does it make you think? Um, to me, guys guys of that build, my only <clears throat> concern is uh, injury, uh, prone yeah. to injury. Um, that that's my biggest thing. I mean, the first thing I thought when I saw guys like Giannis and KP, guys who have well, not necessarily KP, but guys like Giannis, who not only have very long strides, but are very fast in transition, big and strong, mm-hmm. is yeah. that they they seem big up top and very thin by the knee, meaning yeah. it doesn't take much contact for for your knee to hit his knee and then that need to completely blow out. Um, so that's just one of, my, one of my biggest fears. And guys that are that big and that are that fast and elusive, um, yeah. one injury could completely take away um, all that speed, all that speed, all that elusiveness. Um, so I like guys that are that big to be multi-layered. Like AD, if you, you know, knock on wood, if AD's, um, you know, speed ever left him, he's a guy that can still put his back to the basket. He's a guy that can still shoot. So he's multi-layered. Mm-hmm. He can still play defense. Like, he's not just one-dimensional. Right. Um, that's what kind of scared me a little bit about KP. His back-to-the-basket game wasn't that strong. He was more of a pull-up shooter and a defender. But if yeah. he can't get up and down really quickly to come off screen, stuff like that, how is this guy getting his offense um, at a high level? Um, well, and his defense, but, too, because he's one of the best health defenders in the league. Um, yes, exactly. If, if he loses that speed, he loses the ability to help and, and to block shots. Right. I completely agree with you. So that that's the biggest thing that I look at, but I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I mean, that that's thick. That's insane. Um, but if I'm a team and I'm drafting, that is something that I think about. Like, you're going to have to bulk up. <laughs> that's, that's the first thing I'm saying. Well, he's already, um, he's already pretty bulked up. Like, I mean, he's, he's a – He's a big dude. He could still stand to gain some muscle, I mean. Um, but, I mean, you remember what, what Dwight Howard was like coming in the league. Um, yeah. Like, just, just a rail. And then how he took um, steroids. Right. Yeah, I mean, that God, I, <laughs> I can't – I couldn't explain it any other way. I mean, I, I you know, no offense to Dwight. We – we. Uh, no, we're, we, we are, we're throwing a little bit of shade. Like that, that bro, bro, he had to have taken something like maybe, maybe not Absolutely. steroids, but some HGH or something like, 
maybe he got maybe he you know hit up Warren Sapp while he was down in in, in Florida and was like, hey man, hook me up with some of that shit. Like, um, I mean, the only other way to describe how Dwight Howard got the body that he has is he's the Pokemon or a Digimon, and he just evolved. Like, that, that's the <laughs> only other thing I can think level. of. Right. That's the only thing I can, I can think of to explain how a guy went from looking like he's the last person you'd pick in the gym to that if you were creating an NBA player, that's what you would want him to look like. He went, like that, yeah, that's he, he evolved from Dwight Howard to D12, like, real quick. Exactly. Um, exactly. But, but yeah, like no, I mean he's he's bigger than that, you know, um coming into the league. Um I think both he and, and DeAndre Ayton are the like most just physical specimen that are coming into the league. Um but I do I will I will say this, I mean, his offensive game does scare me. Um because he's he's very proficient on the defensive end, but offensively um, he is very raw, and so he's going to have to be developed. Um, now, he, he doesn't have a terrible shot. Like, he's got decent form. Um, I, I think given the right coaching and the right circumstance, he could even develop into a competent three-point shooter, um, like 35%, somewhere like somewhere in that range. He's never going to be a great three-point shooter, I don't think. Um, but he could, you know, he could sit right in that 30 30 three to thirty five percent range, which if if you have a center who can hit hit a third of his threes, yeah, I mean that's essentially what Joel Embiid did this year. Um and right. you know, he's looked at it as a competent three point shooter for a big man. Um so, you know, I I don't know. I think he's got a lot of potential. I I'm definitely um I you know, I've recently raised him on my big board. Um I think he made the leap from six or seven to number four um uh, because of these combine um results uh but he'll he'll be interesting he'll be an interesting prospect to watch and to see how everything plays out um but this kind of bleeds into our next story uh mike fisher uh of the dallas star reported that the celtics are willing to trade jalen brown and the number 27 pick in exchange for the number five pick in order to take mo bamba um so apparently if you believe the reports, uh, the Celtics are really high on Muhammad Bamba and would like to take him, uh, would like to trade up uh, in this draft in order to select him, uh, which makes a lot of sense. They need a center. Um, they need, you know, Al Horford plays some center, um, but he probably operates best when he's playing the four. Um, and, you know, essentially, if they got a guy like Obamba, um, they, you know, when they want to play small, they can run Horford at the center. But when they want to play big, they got a defensive juggernaut down low, and that's, you know, that would be perfect for them. Um, but here's my thing: Mike Fisher works for the Dallas Star and is reporting this on behalf of the Celtics. There, there was a beat writer who came out for the Boston Globe uh, recently who refuted his report um, and said it wasn't true. Um, where do you where do you stand on this? Um, you know, I I think it, it's it's always tricky. You never want to say you never want to you know badmouth a journalist and say ah, I think they're full of shit. But you know, I'm just gonna be honest. I kind of think Mike Fisher is full of shit. 
I don't I don't think no I'm not saying I'm not saying that he didn't hear this from somebody um but you know from a maybe from a Mavericks source I I don't think yeah I, I'm not saying essentially what I'm saying I'm not saying he's just making it up what I'm saying is that whoever his source is is maybe not credible and this sounds like some posturing from the Mavericks um I I don't see the Celtics trading Jalen Brown um, for an unproven center, no no matter how high they might be on him. Uh, but what are your thoughts? Do you think it's a possibility? And let me throw this out there, too. According to uh, Mr. Fisher, uh, the Mavericks were none impressed by that trade offer, which is, again, fucking ridiculous. Um, and, uh, like, if you can get like Jalen Brown and a number 27 overall pick for an unproven number five pick, you fucking take that deal. Um, but nevertheless, um, especially when you need a shooting guard. Uh, <laughs> but uh, again, like I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little off track here. Uh, they reportedly weren't impressed by the deal and want to hold out and try to nab Jason Tatum, which to me is just ridiculously fucking stupid. There's no way the Celtics are going to trade Jason Tatum. After the fucking playoffs that he had, after the season that he had, and only one year in the league, um, yeah, not going to happen. You're not you're not getting last year's number three overall pick, who ended up being the best player in that draft, maybe short of Donovan Mitchell, um, for the number five overall pick and an unproven player. Um, but, like, Let's not focus on that. Let's focus on the Jalen Brown side of things. Um, I mean, what do you think about pretty much everything I just said? And, and you know, do you do you think the Celtics are really considering doing that, or do you think this is kind of maybe um, wishful thinking on maybe a, uh, a whatever source that leaked this information to Mike Fisher, who, again, works for the Dallas Star? Um. I honestly think there is a little bit of credibility to the idea of that. Um, and the reason why I think that is, I always had this, this weird feeling that when they went out and signed Hayward, um, that it was with the idea of they weren't a thousand percent, I, I don't want to say sold, um, glued to Jalen Brown. And by that, See, I, I mean, always. I always they, thought they just went out and signed Hayward because he was like, you know, the quintessential, like, homebred white guy, uh, small forward, and that's you know that's what Boston loves. <laughs> Honestly, uh, like I'm not being I'm not being facetious at all. Like I literally felt like that. Like when they signed him, I was like, ah, oh, it makes perfect sense. Like Boston loves their their, you know, American white boy. Um, you know, guard forwards, what have you. Um, they haven't had one in forever, and there's not that many of them in the league anymore that are, like, really good. Um, and Hayward is one of the few that is really good. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, that's just my take, but go ahead. No, I mean, I don't I don't disagree with you at, <clears throat> at all. I'm saying I felt as though when they drafted him, I mean, not drafted him, I apologize, when they went out and signed him, because uh, yeah. if you look at, <clears throat> Excuse me. 
the role Jalen Brown played this year, it was flirting between shooting guard and small forward. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You know, him and Tatum would kind of switch off between the two. Um, so I kind of felt well, Tatum like, played some you know, four, yeah. And Tatum played four. You're right. You're right. Um, I think the Celtics are in a situation that they're looking at it like this. You're going to lose smart possibly to money. Um, you have to pay Kyrie. Um, Tatum is still in his rookie contract, so he's good. Hayward, Hayward is under contract. Rozier is going to be looking for money. So you're going to start coming into contract years for three of your more important players. So if you're telling me I could split Brown and get a defensive piece, a piece that, to be honest with you, would be really beneficial for that team. Um, especially uh, the, the guy you you were just telling me about, uh, or that they re- reported, I'm sorry. Um, so if I'm Boston, I'm looking at that, and I'm really thinking hard about it. I'm thinking hard about it because we've seen this team be a, a team that could lose Bradley, lose Crowder, lose Isaiah, and flip that to get Tatum, to get Kyrie, to get Hayward. So it, it seems like they're, they're a real estate team. Whenever it seems like it gets too high, they flip it. Flip it and sell it. Yeah. And then they get something sure. new. So, um, again, that's the little bit of credibility that I'm giving to the idea of this story. Now, I completely believe Dallas wants Jason Tatum. I believe there are 31 other teams in the NBA that would love 29. to have Jason Tatum. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. I don't, yeah, Say the NFL, Juwan. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's where my mind went. I'm sorry. I was looking at something. Nah, man. It will be soon. We're going to get a team. Very Apparently, soon, I heard man. we were going to get a team in Seattle, and Kansas City is the other front runner. So, that's cool. I like that. Ooh. So, then there we go. Yeah, if we, if um, we have some time, yeah. we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Um, but, yes, 29, I'm sorry. Um, would love to have a Jason Tatum. So, I mean, that's, that's something that you could say about anybody. Like, if New York came out and was like, New York would love to have Jason Tatum. Well, duh. Um, so, I don't, I don't think right. that's much as, like, a shock value. Um, the only idiot in the NBA is Cleveland for not finding a way to get both Brown and Tatum. I would have told them, keep the pick. I want Brown and Tatum um, rather than uh, you giving me that pick. Honestly, when you look back at it, uh, might have been a better better idea for them to do that. Or um, even getting, like, Rozier and, and Brown, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Imagine yeah. that team with Terry Rozier – Jalen Brown, LeBron James, Kevin Love, and Tristan Thompson. Like, or think, you know, just, I think just, we have. I think we're looking at a different game one of the NBA Finals if they have. I think we're looking at a completely and Jalen Brown. Yeah, yeah, situation yeah. for sure. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, since we are of of the media, we're, we're not of the mindset of just like saying, "Well, this reporter doesn't know what they're talking about. This reporter's wrong." But we can kind of call out situations for maybe not being the most legit of of a of a news report. Um, but like I said, I do believe that if Boston was offered it, I do believe not only would they think heavily, I think they would um, entertain you know and actually go through with possibly tra- trading Jalen Brown if it meant they could they could get a piece that they're lacking, which is a center. I love Baines, and I'm really disappointed that he wasn't the X factor that I thought he was going to be in that Cleveland series. But um, if they could get, excuse me, a game-changing big, they can keep Horford at the four. Um, 
you know, so you don't have to keep them in the paint so much to focus on rebounds. You can have them go out there and defend the LeBron when they uh, when they switch, defend the Kevin Love. Um, something yeah. that he kind of feels more comfortable with. Um, and you have a guy that can just be an anchor down there in, in the post to get rebounds and, and the help on defense on, on the lane drives. Um, I think Boston would really love to have something like that with Kyrie coming back it. healthy. You, yeah, you still, have Sam, you still have yeah. Hayward. You know, getting an anchor like that is something I'm pretty sure they wouldn't pass up. So I think they would they would lose a Brown at the uh, idea of getting a um, uh, a defensive piece like that. And if you lose Brown, maybe that money that you would have had to pay him, you can give to Smart to keep Smart. True. Or you know, but, when Rogier's t- but, uh, time comes, use it to keep him. Here's the thing. Brown is still under his rookie contract for two more seasons. Um, right. And Horford is under contract for two more seasons. So my thing is this. You want to keep Brown because for contract reasons. Like, you want to have a player like that who is, you know, developing and has the potential to be an all-star. He's never going to be a superstar, but he's got the potential to be an all-star. Um, or just, you know, a, a, like – super high quality player um like to me i look at jalen brown and i say you know he's got the potential to be their clay thompson um like he's never going to be a superstar um at least not for that team just like clay thompson maybe could be a superstar if say he went to the lakers in in you know a year um but he's not going to be the the superstar for the the warriors because you know obviously they have they have their other two um, big guys. But my thing is this. I think you have so many – you still have valuable draft picks with the Memphis pick in next year and, and the Sacramento Kings pick next year. Plus you got Terry Rozier, who I think is – he's only got under contract for one more year. To me, that's more expendable. I'd rather put together a package of – even if I had to put together those three assets, which I don't even think you would have to do, um, I think you could put together a package of Terry Rozier, um, one of those two picks, uh, and then your own draft pick this season. I think you can make a trade work um, to where, you know, you could still net Mo Bamba there. Um, I threw out, um, and I don't think I ever heard from you about it, um, but I threw out this. Um, the essentially it would be a three-way three-way trade with the the Celtics, Knicks, and Hawks, where the Celtics would get the number three pick, the uh, Knicks would get Terry Rozier and the number twenty-seven pick, uh, and then the Hawks would get the number nine pick, and either the Memphis pick or the Kings pick, um, you know, uh, next year, um. Now I threw this out on on my uh, Atlanta Hawks uh, Nation uh, page that I follow, and I got a lot of shit for it. <laughs> they didn't like it, um, but uh, and and you know what, Luke didn't like it. Um, Joel said he, he he would have to think about it. I haven't heard from you yet. What, what I mean, what do you think about that? As far as for your Knicks getting getting essentially Terry Rozier and the number twenty seven pick. Uh, for the number nine pick. I only don't like it the same reason I don't like the idea of the Knicks drafting a point guard. I don't like teams 
stockpiling guards. I do not like it. I'm not a fan of it. Never will be. I feel like <clears throat> you have a so you'd rather them just guards. take like a take whatever wing player, whatever wing player is best available at nine. Yeah, that, I mean honestly, that's what I would prefer. Unless you're telling me in this three way trade, Knicks can get Jalen Brown. I, I, I don't want no. another point guard. I already I already see the work Moutier's putting in. I'm excited. I see uh, um, I see Milikina kind of bulking up a little bit. I'm excited seeing what he's doing on, on the videos that he's posting. Um, I'm liking what I'm seeing from our guards. And you know we still have uh, I was gonna say Trey Young, not Trey Young, uh, Trey Burke. Um, so and Jerry Jack. So it's like we have too many guards already. I don't need to be guard heavy. I need the one thing that they be on the team next year. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's right. But either way, no, you nevertheless you're still right. You still got you got Trey Burke. He signed on for one more year. Um, They they signed him, you know, through next year. Um, And yeah, I mean, Nilakina's they they've you know wanted to play him more at the two, but that might change under Fizdale. I mean, you don't know how that's going to play out. Um, I me personally, I just think. I think a backcourt, uh, like a future backcourt of, you know, Nilakina and Rozier would be great. Um, but I do understand what you're saying because you already signed Tim Hardaway Jr. to a huge contract. So do you really I, – I mean, I don't want him playing the three. I mean, he, he can <laughs> – Not under he any can, circumstance. Right, he can do it. It's just like that would be. It's it, it's 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 more like, you know, he plays three in the small ball lineup when Kristaps is playing center. Um, you know, you don't you don't necessarily want him playing the three all the time, um, which is kind of what they did last year, and it and you know, it just it it wasn't super beneficial. Um, no, I will so, say I will say to your trade if you're telling me that. Fizdale got wind of this of this trade and <clears throat> traded away Moutier or traded away Moutier and a team made an offer for Trey Burke and they got something back for uh, Trey Burke and they traded away Moutier and now you're talking about Frank Nilakina and, and Rozier or even if you don't trade away Trey Burke, if you're talking about Rozier and uh, no, you would have to. Because I saw too much from Trey Burke for me to make him uh, a third option now. Um, yeah, but if you he would have to be the backup. Those, right. If you tell me you got rid of those two guys, then yeah, by all means, I love the trade. I don't have an issue with the trade. It's just a player in the trade. Um, I just I, I hate the idea of being too guard heavy. Um, yeah. And I know Joel's probably going to listen back to this and say, "Oh, it's a good problem to have." Not really. Not really, because if, if, if think about this, think well, about if you keep yeah, Trey Burke, you, you need you, you need keep Trey Burke. Help. Right? No, no, I agree with that. But um, you keep Trey Burke. You saw the level he was playing at last year, so that's not a guy you want to tell. Hey, your, your minutes are reduced, so we can give majority of them to this Terry Rozier kid. Not saying that Terry Rozier chopped, chopped liver. I'm just saying that's a really like disrespectful. I feel a disrespectful thing to do if you're in New York because the kid can play. Trey Burke can play. Um, yeah. You know, his, his defense isn't the greatest, um, but the kid can play. Um, so, to me, I would love to have Terry Rozier, but it'd have to be at the idea of getting rid of Moutier and Burke. 
Um, right. But outside of that, I, I, do like it. I do like it. Right, and then getting yeah, some I mean, assets back for it. Yeah, and I, I also think, too, like, I, I I would agree with you, at least in the sense of um, – my my thing would be you could draft a wing with number 27. There will be, uh, you know, a few valuable wings available there. And keep in mind that, you know, the, the Lakers, you know, were able to draft um, Kyle Kuzma at, at number 27. So there's usually, like, one guy. Yeah, there's one guy at draft. Timeout. I mean, the odds aren't great. Would... Like, I, I I get that. But, like, there will be a Chandler Hutchison or a Melvin Frazier or a Keita Bates Diop. Um, it was available there, like so. You you could draft somebody who you could develop as your as your three um, at twenty seven, and essentially you just wouldn't be getting you know a Mikael Bridges or a Miles Bridges or a Kevin Knox. Yeah, um, see that that that's one of my issues. And New York to me, um, maybe it'll change now. I'm, I'm hoping that it'll change now. But see, New York to me has always been how I viewed Cleveland to where that's a franchise that does not scout well. So you yeah. need them to have a pick to where they have to draft the obvious. Like, you know, it's just, like if Knicks had number one, you wouldn't have yeah, whoever but the nine, best, you know, whoever nine, the best guy is, is not, coming out. Yeah, but nine is not obvious, man. Like, I no, feel like. No, it's not, but it's one of those one things two, where it's like one you, you two pray are they obvious. don't pick the. Yeah, but it's one of those Go things ahead. where it's like at nine. And, again, I'm hoping – under Fizdale, we have a new, um, you know, the the guy we got, I think, from Orlando, the um, the, the GM. Uh, you know, you're hoping new ownership means that scouting is going to be better, coaching is going to be better, organization top to bottom will be better. Um, but you just look at track record and you go, okay, outside of KP, we haven't had a great draft pick since Ewing. So it's like I look at that track record and I just go – I don't know if I'd want to go from nine to would you say twenty seven? Yeah. Yeah, that 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 would scare the living daylights out of me. But but you also um, get to over here. No, that that's that's true. But I I want a wing so bad. I, I want a wing. Um, and you were saying Miles Bridges, like I want a guy like that if available at at number nine. I, I don't know. To me, it's just. We finally got a, a reasonable draft pick in top ten. I, I don't want to trade it away. I, I want that. I want us to yeah, use but it. Yeah, last year you took Frank Nolatina at eight, and you could have had Dennis yeah, Smith but Jr. See, but do you see my point? Not yeah, but, good like, but scouting. That's, but so but I think your point is working different. against you is what I'm saying. It's like if, no, I'm if, saying, you're not I'm dra- it's if you didn't draft well at eight last in. year, yeah, <laughs> you're – you're you're spinning your wheels, man. Um, I uh, no, I, I'm just, I see your. I'm just saying. I, I'm putting my faith in. I'm putting my faith in Fizdale, and I'm hoping that you know scouting and everything, and you know obviously he has something to do with the the picking of the draft. Sure. Um, I'm I'm hoping that smarter decisions come, but that's why I'm saying if if it doesn't, if we couldn't trust him to pick good at eight. You want me to now trust that he can do it at twenty seven? <laughs> hey, well, that's, that's insane. But like, but here's the thing. This is what I'm saying: is if you're not, if you if you don't pick well, if you can get a Terry Rozier and still keep a pick, then that's not a bad deal. It's a, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Um, to me. Yeah. Um, but I get what you're saying: is that you know you already you're you're already kind of guard heavy. 
Uh, even though Terry Rozier is way better than any point guard that you currently have on the roster. Um, and I completely agree. Know, That's why I said if you get rid of two of them, I'll take that deal. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you can find some, you know, some assets that to be had there. Or, I mean, really just get rid of Moody. Because um, I, I, I feel like yeah. Trey Burke is, is kind of your perfect um, bench, you know, point guard. Um, come in, get your buckets. Um, you know, kind of a, a, a Jordan Clarkson type. But, you know, L.A. Lakers Jordan Clarkson type, not Cleveland <laughs> Jordan Clarkson type. Let's not, um, let, let's not say that too often because, remember, we <laughs> – we will be having Moutier on this show sometime this That's month. True. So. That's true. <laughs> Trade Trey Burke. <laughs> uh, well, don't, it, to be honest, the only reason I said that is because, to me, Moutier is more of a starting guard, um, right. whereas I Trey agree. Burke is your, is your quintessential um, kind of backup point guard. Um, like right. he, he kind of fits that mold, where I think Moutier – um, I just think he needs the right opportunity, and he'll he'll be um, he'll be a, a a very good quality starting point guard. So um, yeah, it's, it's good good on you for having me clarify that. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, let's move on. Um, so the Nuggets are reportedly interesting in moving Kenneth for Reed and are willing to attach the number fourteen pick to do so. Um, essentially, they are in cap space hell right now after signing Paul Millsap to uh, you know a thirty million dollar a year contract last season. They have this weird little thing where they have to um, offer Jokic, Nikola Jokic, an extension this year. Otherwise, he becomes an unrestricted free agent next season. Um, it's a weird. He he had some kind of weird clause in his in his contract. Um, second round pick, stayed overseas for a year. I guess that was one of the things his agent negotiated. Um, I'm honestly not sure how all that works, um, but that's the case. Um, and Gary Harris's uh, extension kicks in next year. They also, uh, you know, ideally want to re-sign Will Parton, um, who is a free agent uh, in this upcoming year, and he was – a very quintessential part to their team, you know, this past season. Uh, so essentially, you know, the, the the rumor is that they're willing to uh, give the number 14 picks to a team who is willing to take Kenneth Fareed. Uh All I got to say is Hawks, get the fuck on it. Like, not only would I take Kenneth Fareed, I would also take Darrell Arthur, who is – Utter garbage. Uh, he's not coming on the show, right? <laughs> no, I'm just playing. No. Um, <laughs> well, not we have too much. We have too much respect for this show to have Darrell Arthur on the show. Um, uh, with, with my luck, uh, Moutier was was probably like really close friend of Darrell Arthur while he was in this um, But uh, but no, like I mean, the, the guy. I mean, he he. I think he – I don't even know if he played this season. Um, he's got a $7.4 million uh, player option next next year, which he will obviously opt into as soon as he can. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, essentially, uh, you know, if I'm the Hawks, you know, we have about $20 million in cap space. Those two contracts add up to just north of $20 million. Um, like, I would take both of those contracts on to get the number 14 pick. 
um, you know, and, and, and certainly would take Kenneth Reed. Um, so, I mean, you know, the Nuggets are just trying to avoid the luxury tax. It makes all the sense in the world that they would, you know, try to use that pick to, you know, keep as much of, you know, their core unit together and, and keep letting them develop, um, you know, be able to extend Jokic and re-sign Barton without going into the luxury tax. Um, but uh, what are your thoughts on this? And obviously, you know, me as a Hawks fan, I think the Hawks should jump on it. Um, are there any teams out there with, with a lot of cap space that uh, maybe you think want to jump on it? Or, you know, if, if you don't have a team in mind, just, I mean, do you think it's worth it for Denver um, to essentially give up the number 14 pick, you know, just to avoid the luxury tax? Um, yes. <clears throat> and a team that I think should get right on it is Denver. Uh, not Denver. Wow. Um, Phoenix. Um I think Phoenix yeah. is a team that could not only use the draft pick. Um, they could use Kenneth could Reed. Use, I was going to say, could use Kenneth Reed. And, because remember, we said they had a lot of cap space. If they're smart, they could get Kenneth Reed and then leverage the draft pick to maybe get a quality player um, from a team that yeah. needs, uh, you know, uh, another draft pick. I'm so, I mean, Nick, I think this me idea. and you, I think me and you have been like the front runners of how to rebuild Phoenix back to their glory yeah. days. Um, and it's yeah. really, it's rather simple. It's rather simple. Yeah. Um, so this is the deal. If I'm Phoenix, I'm like, uh, yeah, let me pick up the phone real quick. We'll take them. Um, and we'll take the draft pick and we'll use that draft pick draft night to see if we can leverage it to get <clears throat> a really good player uh, that we could add. Well, to and not to, mention, so we can, not to mention Phoenix would be in an avid advantageous situation because they could say we will take three and the number 14 pick and you know what we'll give you back number 31 like you know it you know like that's that's the kind of position I mean the Hawks could do you know similar thing they could give them back number 34 um but like that that's the kind of you know position that you would want to be in if you're if you're thinking about like accepting like a trade like that um and yeah no I, I i fuck i hadn't even thought about phoenix but if you're phoenix you already got number one you already got number 16 you get number 14 as well like you can mm-hmm. like you could pretty much package you your opportunities would be endless as far as with the, the players you have on your roster Obviously, the the one person who's untouchable is Devin Booker, um, but anybody outside of that, you know, um, is is you know just assets. And then, yeah, you know, you have one, you you have all of these other picks. Let's say you could uh, essentially move, uh, like let's say one and sixteen, uh, or one and fourteen, and get Carl Anthony Towns, and then you know you still yep. have one of those two left over, 14 or 16, maybe you could trade that, um, you know, and, and package that for like a Dennis Schroeder or a Terry Rozier. And then you're looking and at, I'm gonna you be know, com- what- I'm going to be completely honest with you. If I'm, the, if I'm Phoenix and I can pull off Carl Anthony Towns, do you know what my next phone call is? My next what? phone call is to Paul George's agent. And as soon as it's legal for me to sit down with him, I'm telling him, listen, I see that you don't like being the second guy or the number one guy. Well, we got a guy that we call Baby Kobe, a.k.a. Devin Booker, and we have Carl Anthony Towns. All you have to do is fit in. 
fit in where you can get in and help take this team um, <clears throat> to I where they it. haven't been in, in decades. Um, so I love it. Could you imagine? Could you that. imagine Terry Rozier, Devin Booker, Paul George? Uh, in fact, I probably, I know Paul doesn't like to play the four, but I would probably. I wouldn't sell him on playing the four, but I would probably even prefer to have Josh Jackson on the court with with Paul George, with a, with him playing the four, and then having Towns at the five. Um, but you know, you would hopefully still have either you know in, in these trade scenarios either uh, Dragon Bender or Marquise Chris, and either one of them could play the four. And you know, maybe right. you could use Josh Jackson as trade bait to. Um, package with one of those guys to upgrade your four. Um, yeah. Phoenix have so many assets. They like it, it, it. It so much pissed me off this season watching them lose so many games, especially watching them lose to the Hawks twice um, <laughs> in close in close games. Because I'm just like you. You have so much talent. You like you you. Uh, You've drafted in the lottery for God knows how long now, uh, and you know they, they, they do. They have a lot of assets, and they have a lot of draft picks. And yeah, man, they would be perfect for that. Like absolutely, they have the cap space. They could totally pull it off. Like and like you know, like we've been saying, they could totally use Kenneth Freed. Um, Tyson Chandler is getting fucking old. Like um, like I don't know how oh, effective shoot. he is. Anymore. I just forgot. That's our four. <laughs> That's Say our what? four. So PG, oh, yeah, three. That's our four, so yeah, PG doesn't yeah, have to, yeah, put... so he doesn't have to play. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, and dude, that would be perfect because uh, Carl Anthony Towns can hit the outside shot. So you don't have to worry about the fact that your four can't hit. You don't have a stretch four because you got a stretch five. Like, motherfucker, dude. Like yeah, we just we just solved all of Phoenix's problems in about five minutes of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but listen, uh-huh. that, that would work out perfectly for them. And honestly, if I'm them, and I let me say this because I'm someone who's who's often said this, and I've seen over the years that it to be um, disproven. I hate when people say free agents aren't looking at um, these smaller markets. Because I can tell you, no one, and again, uh, it might have been, might be on like you know towards the end of his career, but um, Paul Millsap was an all-star, um, and I don't think it was on anyone's radar that he would end up in Denver. I think a lot of people thought he might end up in um, Houston. Um, you know, Phoenix. so him ending up in or Phoenix, or Phoenix I think, right? So him, yeah, and Minnesota was in right. play for a little while, but they didn't have the money after they signed Teague. Right. So he ultimately went to a place to where the money was right and he thought he could mm-hmm. win. Um, so if I'm Paul George and I'm looking and I'm seeing that you guys managed to get Rogier, you have Booker, you got Cat, you got Fareed, all I need to do is just place myself in there. And on any given night, I don't have to be the guy. Like no one's looking right. for me to be the guy. They're just looking for me to but fit I in with the team on any given night. and be part I of it. Go off right, for but 40. I can be. That yeah. I can be, but you have a you have a lineup, a starting five of guys that one through five. Well, maybe not Fareed, but you know your, your point guard, your shooting guard, your small forward, and your center 
could go for 30 on any given night. Yeah. That, to me, is something that if you're Paul George, you can't look at and just go, oh, well, I just want to go play for my hometown. Or, oh, I think I'll just stick it out here with Russ. No. Why don't you go to a team that you don't have to worry about an alpha male because Devin Booker's been crying for help. So trust me, once he gets it, he's not going to try to be Kobe every night. He's going to want to share the ball. Um, and plus, if you're smart, if you share the ball, they have to double Paul or they have to double catch to get you more open I shots. Will, I will say this. Um, in order for them to um, take on Fareed's contract um, and sign Paul George, they would have to move some money around. Now, that's not impossible um, by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I, I think a sign-and-trade, um, because they wouldn't, wouldn't be flirting with the, the luxury tax, I think a sign-and-trade would be absolutely possible. Um, you know, uh, essentially, I feel like if the, you know, if the Thunder could get, you know, a guy like Jared Dudley, who's only got one year left on his deal at like $10 million, and Tyson Chandler, who's got one year left on his deal for like $13 million, $23 million, plus some draft consideration, um, that's better than losing Paul George for nothing. Um, yeah. So, like, I, and I, I honestly, feel like... if I'm Phoenix, I'm going to be completely honest with you, Nick, and my bias is coming in here a little bit. If I'm Phoenix, I'm telling, I'm telling OKC, listen, if it'll help make this go through so we can do the sign and trade, you can have Josh Jackson if you want. Now, I know sure. he, doesn't, he doesn't help anything as far as the cap, but it could be something that makes Thunder really go, you know what, all right, we don't want to lose Paul for nothing, so you know what, we'll, we'll take it. But if I'm Phoenix, I need a verbal confirmation from Paul that he would actually sign. Um, oh, long he would obviously term. have to sign long-term, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah so as exactly. long as I get that from him. Yeah. Yeah, like at least As long as I get that from him, I'm um, yeah, yeah, three years to me is fine. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, dude, that's – I love it. I love it. I, I, that's why I love when we get to do these little uh, speculative uh, conversations on these topics because I would have never thought of Phoenix. And I think that as much as I want my Hawks to do it, like, um, you know, for, for selfish reasons, I certainly want Phoenix to do it uh, for, you know – I love seeing a, a team – that has all of the pieces and potential to like bring it all together. And they, they have that right now. And, and, you know, if they could, if they could bring all of that together and get all of those, like knock out all of those dots. Uh, I love it. It's like, uh, it's like when I was a kid building Legos, but you just fucking find all the pieces and put this cool, build this fucking cool ass fucking thing. And you'd be like, yeah, like I did it. Like it took me like 17 steps, but I did it, you know, um, it's probably more than 17, but you know what I mean? Um, but anyway, uh, I love it. I, I, I think it's a great idea. Um, but let's move on. We got, uh, about 30 ish more minutes to, uh, discuss our last few topics. Uh, so the NBA, um, has announced they will test out the challenge rule this season in summer league. So essentially, you know, the NFL has, you know, their challenge rule. They throw a little red flag on the on the field. Um, this is interesting to me. I I want to hear from you what you think about it first. Um, but I have a I have essentially there are things that I really like about it, and then there's one thing in particular that I I'm I'm a little 
skeptical on. Um, but what do you think about them uh, testing out the quote-unquote challenge rule uh, in this year's summer league to see if they would like to use it down the road, uh, you know, throughout the regular season and postseason? Um, I originally, when I first heard this, hated it um, because <clears throat> the one thing I don't want basketball to become is football to where you're able to challenge after touchdowns, they challenge, uh, I think outside of or within the the last two minutes, you can ch- – it's just so many different times to where you can challenge and it just slows the game down. And half the time they challenge and still get the call wrong. Um, yep. But I thought about it and I was just like – I remember that game where Giannis stepped out of bounds and they didn't call mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. How great a challenge would have been in a moment like that. Um so then it's things like that that I'm like, you know what, that that would be really good and beneficial, um, especially if it's a game like let's say you're playing for the last playoff spot and Giannis gets that bucket but he stepped out. So now that you lost, you're out of the playoffs therein, but he actually stepped out. You know what I'm saying? Like calls like that that could really, um, you know, change the course of the season uh, yeah. for, for a team. I think would be really beneficial. Um, it'll be interesting to see how um, how they let it play out for the summer league, what their actual ideas are. Um, yeah, the, to me, the amount of challenges is key to me. Right, that's like, what I'm looking how for. How many do you get? I I honestly, you know, I've kind of thought about it. I I kind of like the the way the NFL already has it set up. Is you get two, and if both of if you challenge two plays and you win both of those, then you get a third. Um, like, I feel like that's that's the fair enough amount. There's, you know, there's sometimes when a, a play doesn't go your way, when it, 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 you know, maybe early in a game or, you know, whatever, where, you know, you, you probably shouldn't use your challenge. Um, uh, but here's the thing, like, and and here's the weird thing about, you know, basketball versus football. Um, like, one play in a football game early in the game can change the whole dynamic of a game. There's not one play in a basketball game that can do that early in a game. Like, you're, you mean, you're not going to have a situation where, say, Giannis steps out of bounds at the end of the first half where that matters. Um, so that's that would that was what I was bringing up as far as my one thing that I feel like is just is so utterly different with football and basketball. But overall, I do like it. Um, I honestly would prefer that instead of doing these challenge everything in the last two minutes, like go like I get so tired of them replaying things over and over and over again. Like, it, it, and a lot of it is not even last two minutes. It's usually, like, we're going to check to see if it was a flagrant foul or not. Um, I'd like to see them in, even incorporate that. Like, um, we're going to call it how we call it. And if you want to challenge it, like, say, we say it's a standard foul. And if you want to challenge it and say, no, I think it was a flagrant foul, like, fine. That's your, that's your, one of your, you know, one of your, uh, uh, you know, calls, um, one of your challenge calls. Uh, like, I 
think it should be, even be used on that. I'm so tired of replay in the NBA. I I think essentially there's enough times uh, where you, you could just be able to challenge it if you're, like, you know, and I think you'd, you'd have to have a time limit on it, and that would be weird too because basketball is so much faster than football. You know, you, with football you get a you get a chance to look at the replay before the next play happens, whereas with basketball maybe you don't. Um, but I think they can work all these quirks out, and I think if you made it work right, I think a challenge system to me would be better than this we're, we're going to replay everything under two minutes, but anything outside of those two minutes doesn't matter. Um, and you know what? Maybe for basketball, instead of having you just have three, um, maybe you have it where you're guaranteed two, um, and as long as you keep, like as long as every time you challenge, you win, you get to keep challenging. And, the, you know, the first time you lose, you you don't get to challenge anymore. Um, or maybe they just have a few more, um, maybe that five, maybe a five throughout a game. Um, I don't know. I don't know all the specs of it, but I, I like the idea that, and again, this goes back to what we were talking about with Adam Silver. He likes to essentially take chances and, and be able to um, try out new things. And, and that's what we love about him. Um, that's what we love about the NBA, and I, I don't know. I think he could end up working out. I, I hate the play thing being on the refs because they just replay shit way too much. Um, even the announcers, like Jeff Van Gundy says it every fucking time they go to that replay board. Um, <laughs> and I'm just like, God bless you, Jeff Van Gundy, because I'm thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, my biggest issue is, I look at the NFL, um, and I won't use this as, like, a reason to why basketball shouldn't, but I look at the NFL, and I, I watch them look at a play um, that obviously should go the other way, and they, they keep the call wrong. And it's just like, all right, no, you know, a thousand challenge flags won't change the fact that they just see the play wrong. Um, so, I mean, you look at I, that LeBron I think you're play. talking about a specific play. <laughs> I don't want to go into it. But <laughs> you look at the LeBron play, <laughs> and, the, um, and you see that they obviously got it wrong. They reviewed it and still got the, got it wrong. So a challenge yeah. play, a challenge flag won't change the fact that they just sometimes see things wrong. So, I mean, to me, I, I feel as though – the out-of-bounds thing, stuff like that, turnover, stuff like that, yeah. Um, excuse me, challenge flags might be really handy for. But plays like LeBron obviously uh, taking the charge and <laughs> ruling it the other way, things like that are just something. You could throw a challenge flag out, they'll look at it, you know they'll call it the same way. You know what concerns me the most is, you know, old-school NBA, when – somebody would drive to the bucket and there would be like a little bit of contact. Um, and they didn't like the ref didn't want to call a foul. Um, cause it, it, you know, it was just a little bit of contact. It wasn't a lot, but you know, when, when he swiped the ball and like hit his forearm, but also hit the ball, he got mostly ball, but he caught a little bit of forearm 
and then that ball ricochets off the player's knee who's going to the bucket, you know, those replay calls nowadays, like usually those calls were just like, all right, I'm not going to call the foul, but the team that, you know, had the ball is going to keep the ball. Those are the things that worry me the most. Um, it's like, how do you challenge that? Because I figure they won't, they won't allow you to challenge foul calls. Um, so, you know, we've seen that play out constantly in, in you know, in these, these um, final two minutes situations where you, you review the play and you're like, that was a foul, but you can't go back and call a foul. Like, they need to, they need to allow them to go back and, and at least, like, if they're not calling the foul, they need to at least be able to acknowledge that there was a foul and let the team keep possession of the ball, you know, uh, you know, of the guy who was fouled. Um, that That's probably one of my biggest concerns with this um, and how all that plays out. Like, can you challenge a foul call um, and, and, and if and when you can do that? Like, I feel like you shouldn't be able to just challenge any foul call, but if it's a foul call in which you're about to lose possession of the ball, like, I feel like you should be able to challenge that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, and I mean, like I said, it's I don't know, I just I, I feel like they're they're looking at it from a standpoint of it being um from a good place. But I just I don't think it'll translate. And I think it might translate really well in um <laughs> what did they say, preseason or summer league? Cause summer league. It's um yeah. Well they've already they've already quite, They've already been doing it in G League, and apparently it's worked relatively well. Um, yeah, but, but you don't have – but the idea of it is the no game in – Right, well, that and no game in the G League matters as much as the NBA playoffs in the finals. So you're not going to have those crucial calls that could completely sway a franchise or could completely yeah. sway your – you know, like let's say if they had the challenge flag and there was like a crucial play in that Pacers series that if maybe uh, Nate had a challenge, Pacers would have gotten the ball, maybe Pacers would have won. You know what I'm saying? Like, that affects yeah. views, that affects money, that affects everything. Yes. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's a Part whole of the different thing. ball game. Exactly. That's, that's, I was trying to say that without saying it. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what it comes down to. So it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know, summer league, it's like, cool, it works there, but – it's not going to work in the grand scheme of when you get down to the playoffs where those challenge flags are actually going to mean a lot more than it would throughout the the, the entirety of the regular season. Yeah. I mean, I, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it ends up coming to fruition in, in you know, regular season and postseason and how they implement it. I think that'll be key. Um, and and just what you can challenge um, will be also be be key. Um, so we'll we'll see how it all plays out. I, I I like the idea again. I like the idea of them trying it out. Um, and if it works, good. Um, you know, if it doesn't, fine. Get rid of it. But let's see. You know, let's see how it works. Um, but let's move on. Uh, Stephen Adams. Uh, I don't I don't. I don't feel like he necessarily got into um, 
any sort of hot water by saying this, uh, but he recently liked a comment by an Instagram user that was essentially dissing Mellow. Um, essentially, there was a post uh, of, you know, uh, Stephen Adams, Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook, and Paul George, and it said, you know, um, something to the effect of who who is the most valuable, and somebody commented, uh, all of them except for Mello. Uh And Stephen Adams liked that comment. Uh, <laughs> Mello's been getting a lot of fucking shade, especially how he played throughout the, the playoffs and, and just down the, the, the stretch of the, the regular season. Um, there, I mean, there's 0% chance that he opts out of his contract. It's going to be really hard to trade him. Um, do you think I mean, honestly, like, given those circumstances and the fact that you're probably going to be stuck with Melo next year, I mean, what do you think about Steven Adams, like, liking that comment? I, I feel like that's kind of risky business. I think, honestly, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I think he saw that, and he was just like, yeah, no. <laughs> no, that's true. And in that moment, I felt it. And honestly, I, I told you I'm not a fan of players doing things that they that they thought were right. And because we're in a sensitive era, it's like, oh, well, you can't say that. That probably hurt Melo's feelings. And it's like, I don't right. care. Like, I meant it. <laughs> I meant it. Yeah. If you watched Melo last truth. year. Exactly. If you watched Melo last year, you if, – no, I'm sorry, not if you watched. If you played with Melo last year, you would understand <laughs> exactly how I feel. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with the idea of him feeling like Melo was one of the worst players on that team last year. Cause I mean, honestly, I'd say at least maybe, one of the most inefficient players. Yes. And one of the most selfish players. How do you tell your yes. coach? I, I'm not coming off the bench. It's like, wait, what? First of all, you have no rings. Dwayne Wade with three rings was glad to come off the bench. And you're telling me that glad that he was willing. Well, no, I say glad in the sense of when they asked Dwayne Wade about it in public, there wasn't a scoff in him saying, not me, not ever. You know what I'm saying? So it was, they want me to come off the bench now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it it was just one of those things where it's just like, if I play with Melo, I, I'm I'm like maybe I kind of get where Phil was coming from. <laughs> I think maybe yeah. uh, everything I thought of Phil is maybe not as as bad as it once was. To where I was just like, you know what, he may have a point because <laughs> I'm not liking this guy either. Um, but if you're Thunder, you're stuck with him because he has no trade clause and he's not opting out of all that money. So no. No, and like I've said, the only way you're going to trade him is if you trade him, essentially trade him to a team who's going to buy him out. And you would have to take on some amount of contracts that would not, you know, be ideal. Um, I've thrown out the I mean, I tell you um, what. I tell you what, I have a great offer for the um, <laughs> the sender. I think they would honestly Ooh. take it. <laughs> Let's hear it. Uh, no, it's 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 not a serious one. I'm just joking around. I was going to say, listen, we don't want Noah, so <laughs> take Noah. We'll take Mello back, and then I'm pretty sure Mello will want out of his contract. So yeah, win-win. I wouldn't. I 
win-win. I wouldn't. Yeah, no, I wouldn't do that. Because <laughs> um, what I what I have to <laughs> offer is a le- at least a little bit better. Um, I was gonna say uh, Kent Bazemore and uh, Mike Muscala. Um, you're oh, okay. at least you're trimming payroll. You can plug in Bazemore as your um, starting two, move Robertson to your starting three. Bazemore hit like thirty nine plus percent from three last year. He's a defensive uh, minded player. Um, I think he would fit in well. Uh, he, he would be a good role player alongside Russell Westbrook. Um, you know, doesn't need the ball to operate, but can handle the ball a little bit. Um, you know, but, but isn't going to be like a, a mellow or a Paul George where he, you know, demands the ball. Um, and, and I'm operating on the assumption that Paul George is gone. Um, but no, I mean, I think that would be good. And, and Mascala is a solid player. I mean, um, you could essentially, uh, you know, have him back up uh, Patrick Patterson or, or if you re-sign uh, Jeremy Grant um, at the four. Um, you could also have him back up uh, um, Stephen Adams at the five as kind of a stretch uh, five type player. I mean, he's like seven feet tall. He's he's not, you know, he's not very strong. He's, he's kind of skinny. Um, but he's, a, he's a, you know, Mescal is a very effective three-point shooter as well. Um, I think he shot over 40% last season for the Hawks from three. Um, so, you know, I mean, you would be getting two players of value. The biggest thing is you would be taking on Bazemore's contract, uh, which the Hawks don't want. You know, you'd be taking that on for um, next year and the year following, um, whereas Melo is, you know, he, he gets off, um, you know, essentially after this this next year. Um, but... I think you would, you know, be improving your team. Uh, and, you know, if if the Hawks were willing to do it just for the sake of getting Baysmore off their books for, you know, 20, uh, 2019, 2020, uh, then, you know, it might be worth it. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I think there will be some trades like that that, that shake out for Melo, just uh, trades where – he can he can be traded and bought out and then go essentially join the Rockets because you know that's what he wants to do or go join LeBron James wherever he is. Um, but he wants to chase a ring. Um, he's not going to join the Warriors, um, but he he wants to chase a ring and um, he's going to go. Wait, who's who know. won't join the Warriors? Mella. I wouldn't rule that out. Do you think the Warriors would want? Absolutely. Any team that's okay having both JaVel McGee and Nick Young on it, I don't think are too picky. <laughs> fair point. It's a fair point. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that would happen. But and, hey, you know, and to be honest with you, if you're Golden State, if if again, this is just hypothetical, but if you're Golden State, yeah. think of this death lineup: um, Steph, Clay, Durant, Melo, Draymond. That's yeah. all I'm saying. I mean, I'd rather I'd rather have Andre, but sure. Oh no um, no no no! I don't disagree with that at all. But nevertheless, that, that'll be interesting to see how that you know whole situation plays out. Um, final topic, and let let's preface this with with a you know a little bit of information. Um, so Jerry Jerry Colangelo, uh, the GM of the Sixers, recently. Uh, 
got into a little bit of hot water because apparently he had some burner accounts where he was talking shit about uh, essentially his players, including um, you know their their superstar Joel Embiid um, and former players like Joel uh, Embiid before. Um, so you know that's out there. Uh, David Griffin came out and said, uh, of course, the former Cavs GM said he thinks the Sixers are the front runner to land LeBron James. Um, uh, I I, I kind of think David Griffin is trying to position himself for a GM job with the Sixers because um, I think Colangelo is a little bit on the hot seat with all the shit that's been happening. David Griffin has proven himself as a very viable GM. Uh, he he did a great job when he was with, uh, you know, the Cavs. Um, he was able to manage a lot of inner tension between, you know, those teams and was able to win a championship with them. Um, and, you know, I, I honestly, I think he'd be perfect for the Sixers if they fired Colangelo and, and hired David Griffin I'd be really happy for him. I would think that would be a really good decision. Um, and that could only help cement it. Um, but I will say this. I think his statement is certainly, um, uh, we'll say, career-driven. Um, because I, I think he sees the writing on the wall with Brian Colangelo. Uh, and, and he has aspirations for another GM job and, that Sixers job would be really nice, uh, especially given that he already has a relationship with LeBron James. Um, but, you know, what are your thoughts on this whole situation? As far as, you know, Griffin saying that, uh, you know, he thinks uh, the Sixers are the front runner for LeBron, and as far as maybe that being a way for him to position himself for a job with him. Yeah, no, I completely agree, and it now makes me super angry because I'm like, if Knicks had gotten David Griffin and David Fizdale, I think everyone would be like, all right, just buy your, just get your LeBron Knicks jerseys ready. Uh, that's sure. definitely where he's going. Um, but no, I, I completely agree, and let's not forget David Griffin had that Paul George trade uh, ready to go, um, and you know, obviously got fired before he could pull the trigger on it. Um, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy that that could make great moves and move a franchise forward. Um, but unfortunately, uh, was used as a scapegoat, um, for Cleveland and yeah. no one was happy with it. And that's not a firing. I think LeBron had anything to do with, I think if anything, that was how you kept, uh, Kyrie, uh, it's like keeping David Griffin, um, would have been how you could have kept Kyrie at least for another year. Um, and getting rid of him was kind of just like the writing on the wall for Kyrie to say, you know what, I don't really want to be here anyway. But if you're getting rid of the one person that had any say in me staying here, um, you know, and if David Griffin was there, there's no way David Griffin would have signed off on on trading Kyrie. No. He would have told Kyrie, hey, you're going to make it work. Yeah, not for that. He would have told him, hey, you're going to make it work so you're a free agent. Simple as that. Um, I love the guy. Or you're going to make it work, at the very least, you're going to make it work until LeBron makes whatever decision he makes next year. You know, like, if LeBron leaves at the end of the season and you have one year left on your deal, yeah, 
Yeah, then we'll, we'll then we'll think about trading you, but not we're not trading you right now because we're not going to get yeah, back no, the immediate. We're not going to get back the immediate in, impact, you know, value that that you're worth. And yeah. And although, and although Joel still refuses to say the words, I'll say it again. Cleveland completely lost that trade. Completely yep. lost that trade. Um, I don't care if they got back the third overall pick. They still lost the trade. Think about everything that they – because you have to think of it like this. Draft picks are unproven commodities, right? Right. You gave mm-hmm. up Kyrie Irving <laughs> and essentially got back Isaiah, who's gone, Crowder, who's gone, um, and a draft pick that you're hoping your franchise is intelligent enough to draft wisely with. So which it's just they have not shown in the past, which but they, they have, have not been. Yes. Let's not forget one of the biggest busts of all time, Anthony Finnick. Not to mention so, they took Tristan Thompson, number four overall, uh, in 2010, 2011, whenever it was, whenever they took Kyrie, uh, and Clay Thompson was still on the table. <laughs> Like imagine had they taken Kyrie and Clay, like you know, yeah, that would be a totally different scenario for so many reasons. Um, but yeah, they opted to take Tristan Thompson with the number four overall pick, and are now currently paying him seventeen million dollars a year to just be there <laughs> and and get a few yeah, rebounds. Essentially. And, yeah, essentially, because I mean he. He had no he he has an issue because um, we know Kevin Love's not a defender. Um, right. So you look for Tristan to be the guy that can at least muffle Draymond, and he can't even do that. He can't even do that. I see Draymond more aggressive than Tristan every night. I see Draymond yep. wanting it more every night, um, mm-hmm. and you don't see those hustle plays from Tristan. You see those yep. I'm upset, so I'm gonna throw an elbow or a basketball at Draymond from Tristan. So, I mean, that that draft pick and that money hasn't paid out. But let's be honest, the only reason he got paid was because he's one of LeBron's guys. I think they even have the same management, don't they, Rich Paul? Yeah, they do. Yeah. So that essentially was the only reason why that guy is still in Cleveland and got all that money from them. Um, mm-hmm. So it's one of those things, again, to where um, – David Griffin, like I said, I respect the guy so much, and I think if he went to to uh, um, Philadelphia, even if they don't get LeBron, I think he could definitely have that team in a proper position to be in the Eastern Conference Finals next year. Yes, I agree. No, I totally agree. I think he would be a perfect, perfect fit for them. Um, I can't actually think of a better, like, GM candidate that's on the market that would be a better fit for them. I definitely think I I thought for a while they they Brian Colangelo was a joke. Um the, again, the false trade was stupid. Um and I definitely think that regardless of, you know, what they who they get going forward uh in free agency, um you know, they need to make a change there. And you know what? I'm I I, I'm a little tired of people giving him praise for landing uh, Bell and Ellie and Ilyasova. Um, first of all, Ilyasova had played there, you know, the the previous season. 
um, and and Bellinelli, like they just they wanted to play on a competitive playoff team, and and they thought those that was the best team for them to get minutes. It had nothing to do with Brian Colangelo. That had everything to do with you know them and their agents making a calculated decision as far as you know what team can we most you know benefit on as far as raising our stock and as far as uh, competing and that was the team you know for both of those guys and I I think he gets a lot of praise for that and I don't really think he deserves it um, I mean yeah, the, so, the way so you feel about him go ahead no, I was just going to say fuck Frank Colangelo but go ahead no, I, I was going to say the way you feel about him is the way I feel about Kobe Altman uh, with with the constant yeah. praise that he gets for moving those players and getting those younger yeah, he got guys. Yeah, a lot of because, unnecessary praise. Right, because if you look at it now, I feel as though if he had those um, uh, veteran players, they would at least – LeBron wouldn't have to drop 51 just to be in the game. I feel as well, though Isaiah could provide. I feel as though Crowder thing, could provide. Shumpert. Yes. My biggest thing is you, you, you. I like them getting George Hill, even though he's way overpaid. Like he's fine. Um, but other than that, I, I mean, I like Larry Nance as far as you know, you know, for the storyline, and you know, his dad played for Cleveland. He he grew up there. Um, that's fine. Um, but Ah, that most of those trades, uh, that those like three trades that they pulled off at the deadline, um, were praised at the time, and haven't really worked out all that great. Um, no, and yeah, I no, don't I see think, how they got better from it. No, they didn't. They, I mean, that's 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 the case. They didn't. I mean, fucking uh, Clarkson has been terrible, uh, and. You know, Nance has been all right. He's been hit or miss. Rodney Hood has been pretty fucking bad. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. Um, and, 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 too, like, you can't tell me that you, you don't want Dwayne Wade right now. Like, yeah. you totally want Dwayne Wade right now. Like, I don't, I don't know why you would trade him. Like, essentially, they traded him away for nothing. They just traded him just to exactly. trade him. And, like, now you want him. But, anyway, let's yep. uh, let's wrap it up. Um, it's been a fun show. Uh, always love our, our banter uh, when we get to go one-on-one. Um, what do we got coming down the pipes, man? Um, everything that we have uh, as far as interviews and stuff, because it's still stuff we're trying to finalize and everything, uh, gotcha. If I bring it up this week, it'll be Sunday on the show. Gotcha. All right. Well, that is your cue, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Be sure to tune in Sunday. Uh, we will maybe have some breaking news as far as our uh, interviews. And we will obviously have Geek Vibes Live and uh, break down all the latest in all the geek entertainment news. It'll be a fun time. We'll be back. Uh, I want to say we're going to do a show on Thursday. Uh, Luke and I are going to do a draft show on Thursday. 
Uh, so be sure to tune into that. And Dane Alves, of course, will have Wrestling Geeks Alliance tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. So be sure to tune into that. Um, so, yeah, we got a lot of stuff coming up. Be sure to join us for all of that. Until then, peace. Peace.